Hello everyone, welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Thackeray. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in the bar and restaurant industry. My pursuit in this podcast is to have difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. In the bar and restaurant industry, we talk a lot about uh, community. You know, we, we have a different way of life, right? We, we, are, we work at night mostly. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of stress uh, dealing with uh, the customer service. Everything we do is, it has a level of immediacy, right? When, when, when you're serving people the way that bars and restaurants do, there is this thing to where, you know, it's pretty much just right now you have about two hours to, to satisfy that that customer experience, right? That guest experience. The thing that, that I'm curious about is, do you realize that when you say community, that you're talking about something that is, that is fundamental? Meaning there are three pillars to society, to a functioning positive society, to, to society where <clears throat> people live um, are proud to live in or uh, can find a, a fulfillment in living in that society. And that is uh, community, uh, economics, and governance. Uh, governance is the government, right? And how they uh, function and whether they take care of their side of things. In other words, creating uh, the laws and policies that allow that um, that society to to fulfill itself and then you have economics right the economics of it is is the market is uh, uh, companies small businesses uh, small businesses corporations all of these things right that that are a means to uh, make a living um, but it's also the a means of production know the resources of whatever your nation is and then you have community and community is represented as uh, at the local level the way that we know it as your neighborhood but community in a society it goes bigger than that because for instance labor unions were community right is is that it's the voice of the people versus government as the voice of the leaders and economics is the voice of uh, the markets and those people that are driving the market those people that are profiting from it and then so on <clears throat> there needs to be a, a balance between these three these three and when you look at history back in the um, 1700s uh, whenever right before we had the american revolution there was a discontent with uh, governance, right? That is the reason why the wealthy um, colonists uh, revolted against the king because the king was taxing them too much, right? And they didn't really have much of a say of what happened on the other side of the Atlantic. But the, the, the main point here is that the, the, there was, they felt like there was an overreach by the government, you go forward another hundred years or so 
100, 120 years. And then you have the age of the robber barons. And the robber barons were this small group of the Carnegies and Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan that they were very powerful business entities that, um, that uh, swayed a lot of influence within government and therefore within society, community. And, um, and it's interesting how government can decide. It's kind of like the, uh, the deciding factor in, in the balance. Uh, because you had at that time uh, Calvin Coolidge who sided with business and labor unions had a hard time organizing. And so you had uh, people with, uh, that weren't getting raises and have very low income. Um, then you had also very um, dire working conditions where you had children, um, you know, age of seven and eight, working in factories, which was, was inherently dangerous because of the lack of safety measures that was taken into these factories because that cost money and, and the robber barons cared more about making money than 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 safety of of uh, of the workers and you just figure they hire someone else there were immigrants coming from europe all the time and then um and then if you go forward another 50 years or so even even like Right after Calvin Coolidge, you have uh, Teddy Roosevelt, which was, uh, he sided with community. He sided with the labor unions. And he, once the, the, the big business interests saw that, then they had no choice. Well, the smart thing for them to do was to go to the arbitrary t- table, right? And, and, and negotiate rather than uh, do what they did with um, Calvin Coolidge, which was pretty much hired the uh, National Guard to to beat up and, and, and cause trouble with the uh, the protesters. Which there's a lot of parallels with, what, with uh, what's happening right now. Which I f- there's one thing I want to point out is well multiple, but right now let me point this out. I hear too many people say the George Floyd riots. And there weren't riots until the police showed up with riot gear. There were protests. And the riot part was a small fraction of all the protests that occurred. And so you're, you obviously have a bias when you, re- when you frame it that way. So if you refer to it as the George Floyd riots, then your bias is pretty clear. Because there were protests, and it was, yeah, it was the riot gear from the police that actually caused trouble. And and whenever you look back at, at all of the uh, protests, uh, labor protests or protests in general in this country, that has always been the response. One point or another, that becomes the response. And so, but that's we'll, we'll get to. We might get to that in, in a little bit. So then if you go forward to the, uh, the, the time of uh, FDR, then you have more of community, right? Because that's whenever we ended up with uh, Social Security, um, the GI Bill, uh, all these things that help people 
enrich themselves and thus they enrich the nation. And there has to be a balance between the three in order for society to, 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 to function smoothly. And same thing with, with, with community. You got to have a balance of people feeling like they can pay their rent, put food on the table, right? All these things go hand in hand. The problem has been in this country, for the most part, when, when we get to this, this inflection point, is that government tends to side with, uh, with business more often than not. And it definitely has been the case in the last 40 years, ever since uh, uh, Reagan. Um, that has been very much pro-business and is the way that we have accumulated the debt that we have uh, currently and it's also the way that uh, uh, regulation uh, has eroded it is the uh, the reason why we have stagnant wages while the cost of living continues to go up these people these people are efficient, professional, compulsive consumers. It's their civic duty, consumption. It's the new national pastime. Fuck baseball. It's consumption. The only true, lasting American value that's left, buying things. Buying things. People spending money they don't have on things they don't need. Money they don't have on things they don't need. So they can max out their credit cards and spend the rest of their lives paying 18% interest on something that costs twelve fifty, And they didn't like it when they got it home anyway. Not too bright, folks. Not too fucking bright. But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally, and you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. In, in social media, all the influencers um, have latched on to this idea that uh, hard work is the way to... to to move forward, to, to create wealth, right? Hard work. <laughs> I mean, it's so arrogant because it, it assumes that people that are poor are not working hard. That's the assumption. It, 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 it assumes that the pie just keeps getting bigger, right? And it, it fails to understand or to acknowledge that the majority of the pie has been taken up by a very, very small percentage of people. And when you do that, you end up burning people out. You, 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 you end up tearing people down. Because what I, what I have found is that there are times whenever you can do a lot of growth in, by working hard, but then it's sort of like you're burning the candle on both sides. And so you run out of energy, motivation, sometimes even time, before you get to your goal. And during that time, what you have done is you have deteriorated your health, you have deteriorated your relationships, and you have ignored life. You know, you don't get to live whenever you do that kind of stuff. And, and if, if you know me, and if you worked with me, you know that I don't have anything against hard work. In, in reality, this is just the only way I know how to do it. 
but conceptually the way that it is being sold this is what I'm talking about here if any of you know who Gary V is Gary Vaynerchuk okay so you know I follow him on social media and it's always this hustle 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 hard work hard work hard work put in more hours put in more hours and it's it's a ridiculous idea because yeah I mean it, it, it does work but what you're talking about is it's again ignoring that the wage gap exists that there's a small percentage of people that have the majority of the wealth in this country but more importantly that that wages have not increased in 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 uh, at the same rate as the cost of living over the last three decades so again this is ignoring the fact that the pie is not getting bigger and and the fact is that they have a bigger piece of the pie Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk I think Steve Harvey is the other one he really gets on my nerves um, because as far as he's concerned you have to get up in the morning and you have to live the life he lives in order to be successful and and frankly I don't trust anybody that's in politics or in Hollywood because the the shit they do behind closed doors uh, we saw with Steve you know um, what is it with Weinstein Harvey Weinstein that uh, a lot of shit goes on in the background uh, that people are willing to put up with in order to become successful but that putting that aside the thing is is instead of them helping people organize in order to make real changes to the way that we we see labor and the way that we treat people that um, are struggling and the way that we're not paying people the raises that correlate with the cost of living then all they're doing is is they're preaching something that is going to require you to fuck somebody over because that's kind of the way it goes right the pit the pie is only so big right they got a big piece of the pie and what they're telling you is in order for you to get a big piece of the pie don't get mine i'm not going to give you any mine right go get somebody else's but they they feel the same way i do you better not be trying to take my pie or my piece and so they'll stand out there on the pulpit and talk to you about hard work, hard work, hard work and what it is that they did to to get where they are but not telling you the entire truth. So, you know, I, I basically call bullshit on that because what they are not acknowledging is the imbalance that we have in society right now where you have government and business colluding to exploit the labor force now here's what comes the other part the other part is what is it that is happening right now in uh, in our nation well personally I think that Donald Trump is a divisive force because it benefits the wealthy because he is wealthy right and anytime that the labor force comes together it's such a large number right that if you organize all that large number then change does happen not can but does happen and so his objective from what I've noticed 
is to create some level of chaos, some mild chaos there, and then create divisiveness within that chaos. Scientists, and we do education. Politicians know that word, they use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things the flag, the Bible, and children. No child left behind. No child left behind. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't long ago you were talking about giving kids a head start. Head start, left behind. Someone's losing fucking ground here. But there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. Can you imagine that that was in 2005, George Carlin? 15 years ago, it was still pretty clear where things were headed. And one of those things was the fact that they're coming for your social security. And there's a lot of myth about how that number is, is coming about. A lot of boomers, baby boomers that are getting on social security and not enough people in the workforce. But all of that is pretty much bullshit because eventually it balances out. And it has for the last five decades, six decades, longer than that. And so the, the idea that this is, this is how this, this country is, is constantly battling against this balance between what the, 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 ruling, the ruling class being the, the politicians that side with corporations 
in the uh, in the labor force, well, this is not new, right? And so again, it's this this balancing act goes back and forth, back and forth. And right now we're at this extreme because not only do you have the government siding with with uh, the wealthy, um, you also have the uh, a wealthy person as the president, and. It would blow my mind whenever I'd hear people say that what the country needed was a businessman running the country as a business because that would be better for the economy. And yet that has been far from the truth because the truth of the matter is that the, the, the nation was in a, in a recession back in February. And so the coronavirus only helped him hide the fact that with the economy he inherited from Obama, he couldn't do anything with it because that this economy was going to crash. And if you don't believe it, research zombie corporations because interest rates had been kept artificially for so, so low for so long that you had these corporations that were borrowing money just to keep the doors open. Not because they had sales, not because they were doing any expansion. Not because of the normal reasons that you borrow money. And the thing is, is that the banks kept borrowing this money to them because they already owed them so much. So if they went down, then they would lose all that money. So they kept lending the, lending money to, to companies that, that were, you know, weren't producing. They didn't have the revenue to justify that. But anyways, so the economy was, was going to tank. So the coronavirus, if anything, helped him and hide that. In addition, it helped in, in hiding and not having a conversation about the impeachment. In addition to that, it, uh, it covered up the uh, Democratic primaries. It just screwed all that up. But the, the other part of, of this whole thing to me is that in addition to having this imbalance between community, labor, uh, community, which is also labor, uh, economics, which is corporations and businesses, and then governance, which is the, the government, the politicians, you also have this added level to, to what's happening right now, which is the difference between people that are rational and people that are uh, magical thinkers. And although magical thinkers are said to be intuitive, that's not in the intuitive sense that you think of. Intuitively, you know, it's sort of like some things you just simply know, and that's fine. You know, you can't be intuitive with complex issues and complex problems. And one of the things that research has shown about people that are constantly making complex, uh, looking for, for, for answers to complex problems through their intuition, it's a matter of laziness because in order to tap into this idea of this this idea in your mind, right, that I'm going to find out a bit more about this before I make a decision, well, that takes effort. For you to say, well, you know, it's this or that, without even understanding what the topic is. I mean, and that's one one of the things that has been really, really um, aggravating about the uh, the whole uh, mask thing and the coronavirus. In COVID-19 is that people want to have these 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 uh, uh, answers and these opinions about complex problems that require decades of education 
I mean, can you tell me what the family of coronavirus is exactly and how it's, uh, it's affected by temperature or altitude or latitude, time of year or how they, they mutate? Why is it that they, they're not affected by anti, anti, uh, antibiotics? Can you answer those questions? I mean, you could do a Google search and give me the surface answer, but it doesn't mean that you can solve a problem dealing with that. And that is the difference between someone who's being intuitive about complex problems and someone who's being rational. The rational person is like, well, I need to know how the thing works before I can get involved in solving the problem for it. But the intuitive person is, well, if one plus one equals two, then two plus one equals three. And the idea of one plus one equals three just blows their mind away. It's called synergy. And I'm just throwing that out there because it's not the intuitive thing. You would never think that one plus one is, is three, right? But it can't happen. All of these things put together in a year where it's an election year, we have a pandemic. Uh, we have people that are finally voicing their discontent with uh, with the way that uh, that being they're being treated by police, um, and that after three years of having this just circus in the White House, I mean, think about it. We are we're the biggest economy, most influential influential. Uh, nation in the world and um, it's like a reality show it's like it's like the Kardashians are, are in the White House it, and, and just the idea of that is pretty fucking gross So then what is it that this uh, magical thinkers are right and, and, and who are they mo mostly? Well, mostly there are people that believe in religion or they believe in some sort of uh, higher power. And religion has, has its positive purpose. And most of the time it has to do with the way that it changes people, people's lives whenever, uh, because actually the, the fact that it gives, it can give you structure, it, it can give you the, the ways in which you are to treat other people in most religions, most of the, those things are positive. You treat people right because you want to be treated right. And uh, there are certain aspects of, of the religion that requires ritual, and that ritual develops a certain level of, of uh, discipline. And then in other religions, you need to learn certain things. So there's an education aspect to it, right? But what is it about religion and, and the magical thinkers? Well, it's the thing that they believe in something they can't prove. And if that is a major part of the way that you view the world, rather than just the belief system, right? Think about it. If you view the world that way, then right now what is happening, this is the end of the world. Right? These are prophecies that are coming to fruition. And if you're a rational thinker, then what you see is something different. What you're seeing 
is people becoming complacent and, and having contempt for the, the voting process and democracy, taking advantage of it. And that is why we are in the situation that we're in. So we're in the same situation, but there's two very different viewpoints. And because of that, people are going to act differently based on what they think the solution is. And if those solutions are contrary to one another, eventually they will it, it will get it will, it will get to a, a head. It will get to this point where they're going to start to they're going to either collide or start pushing on one another with a lot of pressure, and that pressure is going to create a spark. To one of them about this. If you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally, and you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions. Right away, they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They said we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. You say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that, and the kids still can't pass the test. They say, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. And that's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass, the school looks good, everybody's happy, the IQ of the country slips another two or three points, and pretty soon all you'll need to get into college is a fucking pencil. <laughs> Got a pencil? Get the fuck in there, it's physics. So then what is it that we have going on right now? Well, one of the things we have going on right now is that uh, based on, on this idea, right, of the magical thinkers of the, the religious people versus the rational people, is that the forces the the people being forced to go back to school right administrators teachers children and some people are not comfortable with that um i mean when doing the math about the mortality of kids even if you're talking about a quarter of a percent of kids dying from the COVID 19 you're talking about thousands of kids truly unnecessary right because you can do remote teaching but i think this becomes the matter then of funding and um and the businesses that are involved here that have contracts with the schools but those are the people probably pushing for this but anyways aside from speculation my point is is that now teachers are being forced to go back to school and what they have in front of them some of them is you know imagine if you've done, you've worked for 17 or 18 years as a teacher you got two three years to retire and now you're being put in this position to where you're in an age group that is of, uh, at high risk you're around kids that are difficult to get them to wash their hands to not be touching their face to to wear a mask that are having contact with family members that you have no control over you know, they're, they're, and then the other part is that they're just kids, so they're going to be taking off their masks and maybe not washing their hands, and and, it, and it's a lot. And so, inherently, being back at work puts people at higher risk. Then you add the element of having kids first, second, third, third graders, kindergarten, and you raise that risk. Now, this teacher might have two or three years to retire and get their pension, but now you're putting them at risk. And if, if they quit, they lose their pension. But for instance, in the state of Texas, the school district department, 
the I think the, the Department of Education of, of what's HISD Houston Independent School District I think it was was offering uh, free legal uh, uh, services for teachers to write their will and to get their estate ready. I mean, they know that some people will die from going back to school. And yet they're making very little effort to do any type of remote teaching or a, or a mix of um, that is a better solution that is going to lower, even lower the risk further um, for the teachers and for the kids. And so that is the problem whenever government or business has um, more control and a bigger say, a louder voice, uh, a much louder voice than the labor force because you become just numbers. You know, it's um, 146 million people in the labor force in the United States. And so for those people that are at high risk, that are more than likely to die just because government and and businesses think that it's okay that we're only going to lose a million of this 146 million or half a million for that matter well to the families and the, those people that are at high risk that are more likely to die well that's not necessarily okay well this takes me to my last point the last thing I want to talk about today and that is these CEOs and, and, and executives and owners of these companies <clears throat> that are going on to the, the, the White House lawn and uh, praising the president whenever he's doing his worst. Um, this week being Goya. And Goya, I have to look this up because I know that in the past I've stopped buying their products because they've taken other stands in uh, I think it's immigration policy that doesn't reflect their history. Or it doesn't reflect the fact that their labor force is um, cheap labor immigrants in part. Um, that is the reason why it makes them so profitable. And that's often the case. The people that are making these companies profitable are being taken advantage by them. So Goya being a product that I don't think is necessary for Latin flavors... They just make it easier. Um, I, I can totally do do without them, but it, it shows the level of of disdain that they have for the people that make them, put them in the position that they are. Because I feel that this is similar to whenever Cafe Bustelo was here in Houston doing a pop up. Whenever I'm talking to the guy, it's a, it's a white guy that put it together, and he was there on the first day. I just happened to. To bump into it on the first day and I ask him and you know what why the pop-up all of a sudden and you know well, you know that because that I just thought I was just curious and he tells oh we do we want more people to drink Bustelo and you know people more people to know and I'm telling him, it's like well all Latin America knows Bustelo I mean it's it's like a staple in everyone's you know cabinet and cupboard in the kitchen and and so he didn't really have any, an answer to that because he didn't want to tell me that he wanted white people to start consuming Bustelo, right? Because it, it was such a staple in, 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 in the Latino community 
that is like, okay, well, we have to make, do a pop-up and we have to do the, the bring a barista and we have to do these cool things, trendy, uh, hipster things in order to get white people to like it because otherwise it's an immigrant product. And I feel like it's the same thing with Goya. Goya has been in Kroger for quite some time, but it's this, you know, two-foot span of an aisle where they also put themselves at one point they were right by the uh the ethnic foods and they i think they're now across the aisle so they're separating themselves from there and to him whatever he loses to the ceo of goya i believe that he in his mind whatever latino consumer he loses he's going to gain in the in in white people american consumer people who normally would not consume this product because those are immigrant products those are for those other people right so he's expanding his uh, consumer base and a lot of people think that is foolish for them and and the only way that is foolish is if the consumer the latino that is being affected by this that the ones that that feel the disdain if you don't truly boycott goya and I mean like totally, then you're basically helping them out in fucking you over. Because that's normally the way that, that, that it goes. They feel like they have such a position in your life and in your pocket that you're not going to do anything against it. And I can make... I can cook without Goya and still have the proper Caribbean flavors so I'm not worried about it. so this is it for this uh, week's podcast I appreciate you joining me uh, make sure that you uh, check out the uh, website openbar.space uh, you can also find me uh, wherever it is that you listen to your favorite podcasts and that is a number of places uh, Google Podcasts uh, I, Apple Podcasts um, tune in Alexa Spotify, whatever your favorite one is, that's where I'm at. So remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.